Welcome back, everybody. It's College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. And Xavier is not here today. Had some stuff, some family stuff to attend to. So it's going to be just Nick and I. But follow Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. And, um, you know, I'm sure you can get his opinions on these games if you ask him on Twitter. He is never shy to share his thoughts. But, Nick, it was uh, a really fun week five here. Uh, I, I know it was great for you. It was great for me, too. Um, and uh, why, don't, why don't you just let everybody know how good it was for you? Well, we were we were chatting a little bit before we hit record and we were, you know, sharing our, our current season records as far as, uh, you know, our, our official projections and, and your picks with your uh, column. And, and uh, you did it the right way. Built up a nice uh, <laughs> early lead, you know, crushing it uh, record wise and, and percentage wise. And uh, should something happen, I'm sure you'll continue to to crush it. But uh, you've at least you know built a myself bit some of breathing a, room. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whereas you know our our official projections just dug a massive, massive hole for the first four weeks. Uh, so where our our best week of the season, uh, you know, barely moved the needle. So. Uh, it, it was good. Uh, I, I have been logging our projections a couple of days after they go up on Patreon uh, in the uh, collegefootballdata.com uh, tracker that, that they do and happen to come out on top in a couple of categories that they track and, and I think number two against the spread. So that was that was nice to see. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good week. And it felt pretty good. I, I, I'm a little more confident, you know, as we're getting into uh, the full conference schedule. You know, I, obviously some work to be done on uh, opponent adjustments, especially in non-conference games, especially in uh, Power 5 versus Group of 5. But now that everybody's on a relatively, you know, normal or, or, or uh, relatively level playing field, there's more... Uh, you know, knowledge of, of the opponent, coaching staffs, you know, playing each other uh, multiple years and, and things like Less that. Less weirdness. Sure, you know. sure. I, I think that those things help us a little bit uh, in our projections. Plus, you know, some, some things uh, are definitely in our wheelhouse as far as we pay attention to injuries. And, and um, there are some where that I think played a big role. I mean, if Jake Hayner was healthy and playing for Fresno state, I, I have to think that, you know, they would have been able to beat UConn last week. Right. Um, and this week coming in, you know, against Boise state, uh, our projection, we're on Boise state, you know, pretty heavy Fresno state's taking a big hit, not just with Hayner, but a handful of other guys um, out as well. And I'm not sure that the market quite, you know, is is capturing how uh injured fresno state is so you know it doesn't always work out but that's just an example um where perhaps over the course of the season you know we track those things and and it does uh work its way into our projections unlike a lot of um you know the bigger names out there 
so hopefully, you know, this will be a sign of, of uh, things to come and, and, you know, good, good uh, performance will continue. But I kind of jokingly uh, said on Twitter, uh, definitely was jokingly, but, but said, <laughs> you know, after the, um, the, the tweet, somebody responded, uh, our buddy JD Yonke, uh acknowledged the, the college football data tweet that went out and, I said, yeah, you know, a good thing that four-week preseason that we had uh, (laughs) (laughs) is done. And now the officially official projections, uh, these are the ones that count. You know, week five is the real week one. Uh, So now get a month of practice time, right? That's just what it is. So uh, yeah, all exhibition for us here. Uh, But yeah, I mean, look, just a certain level of familiarity uh, just makes it a little bit, I don't know. Sometimes to me, it seems harder to pick those games uh, because there is history with them. And you see, you know, with the current team, you see, oh, well, you know, I see everything on this side and it makes sense. And then you go, well, what about that time that they beat them? You know, like you can just like think back to when any team was a massive underdog and won a, a, an upset game. It feels like sometimes, but um, like you said, uh, for the projections and everything, it seems to be better uh, once we get into conference play, which is always a good thing. But uh, let's review week five before we dive in on week six. And we had uh, some big things here. UCLA knocked off Washington. Washington looked like, you know, uh, one of the best teams in the country. And then uh, here is Cinderella, turning uh, everything turning into a pumpkin. And Michael Penix looks like the same, you know, guy that he was from last year and not from the previous years and uh ucla beats washington AM, oklahoma and minnesota all lost to unranked opponents i mean just great stuff there i mean i don't really care about minnesota but AM and oklahoma losing to unranked opponents is outstanding we like that stuff um at the top of the rankings georgia survived a scare against missouri alabama dominated without bryce young for a big chunk of the day, Ohio State, Cruz, Clemson beat NC State, uh, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, and Wake Forest all won uh, teams against ranked opponents. And then we had some firings. We had uh, Paul uh, Christ fired on Sunday, which is, you know, a little surprising. A lot of people saying it needs to happen. Seems like maybe the uh, players weren't so happy about that. At least Braylon Allen had a tweet. Uh, to lead us to believe that some of the players aren't happy about it. And Carl Durrell, who our guy Thor has said, yeah, I think he had money on Durrell being the first uh, coach fired here. Um, you know, so w- who he was, and I mean, Scott Frost got fired way earlier. Uh, maybe I, maybe he said the next coach fired. But anyway, uh, some firings, some upsets, some big wins here. What stood out to you from week five, Nick? Well, it was uh, – uh- Really enjoyable week. I mean, every window on Saturday and and both, you know, Thursday and and Friday, we had ranked teams uh, going at it. I I, um, got a a chance. I I was out on Friday, took a rare uh, night off, actually went to a college football game. uh, First one in in several years, but um, came back, got to catch the second half, a little bit of the second quarter of, of that uh, UCLA win, which, you know, we talked about it last week. I was quite nervous that we had uh, UC- UCLA not only favored, but by, you know, close to a touchdown. And uh, that made me, you know, quite nervous. And it ended up playing out 
pretty close to that as far as the final uh, margin you know was concerned. It, it certainly um, <laughs> didn't do anything to dampen you know how our, our uh, projections see UCLA. So keep that in mind for later uh, in the in the show. But um, you know Saturday was basically action, big games in every window, and and we were certainly treated to some good ones. That Ole Miss. Kentucky game, you know, big defensive stop uh, there at the end for Ole Miss to be able to pick up that win. Um, you mentioned Clemson and MC, NC State. I was pretty impressed with Clemson. I thought that game, even though it finished, you know, it was it was a respectable final for for NC State, thirty to twenty. Um, but I thought, you know, after NC State scored in the second quarter to to go up. Um, Clemson just basically took over, and and I felt like uh, that final score, you know, might have been even a little closer than than the game felt. So uh, I think that Clemson is is inching up. It was good to see another, um, you know, quality performance from DJ Uyunglele. Uh Georgia looked very beatable. Um, definitely, you know, a little bit concerned about that. Stetson Bennett did not look very good. Uh, for most of that game, Alabama, um, just, you know, we, we wondered, were we going to see a breakout from Jameer Gibbs? And and that's what we saw. I mean, 200 yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, he was, you know, as explosive as ever, but um, more involved, which was great to see. Uh, Jalen Milrose, you know, guy that, that I've been intrigued by. I, I, it sounded like early in, fall camp and, and maybe a little bit in the spring, some of the things, some of the reports we were seeing about him, um, just, you know, an athletic uh, specimen. I mean, speed and strength and size. It was starting to, you know, I was starting to think, oh, are they going to move this guy to, you know, tight end or, or you know, some other uh, position just to, to find a way to get him on the field more. But, the once the season started, start hearing some more things about no, they they seem to really like him at quarterback, and and you know still has some work to do uh, as a passer. But I mean, a seventy-seven yard run uh, where I believe he was the second fastest guy. You know, saw saw somebody had the you know tracker miles per hour, um, and he was the second fastest guy on the field uh, on Saturday. Just just it's going to be going to be interesting to see you know he'll get the the first crack i think at that job in in 2023 might have an opportunity to start this week depending on how um bryce young is doing hopefully he'll be able to bounce back quickly but um you know certainly certainly something to watch but overall just a, a really really enjoyable game seemed like there was an upset you know along the way oklahoma going down texas a&m going down midday and then how about georgia tech fired Jeff Collins and then go into pit and, and uh, knock off the Panthers on the road. Um, just, you know, something, something for everybody, I think. And right. every uh, section of the day, it was overall, you know, very enjoyable. And I think it probably helped that the numbers kind of fell in line along the way. too. <laughs> Always makes a, a Saturday more enjoyable when uh, not only are your projections going well, but you're probably winning some cash as well. So uh, always a nice Saturday. 
and uh, we absolutely enjoyed it. Any other injuries you wanted to mention before we get rolling here? Obviously, Bryce Young, the biggest one impacting this week. Any others that will affect this week? Uh, well, so we didn't see Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, mm-hmm. was a surprise, a late scratch on Saturday. Uh, sounds like he's dealing with an ankle that's uh, a little bit concerning. I mean, they missed him um, against Purdue. Ohio State, arguably their two best skill position players, did not play, Trayvon Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, after both playing last week, sounds like uh, they're hopeful for both uh, to be back again. Um, but I mean, we, again, it's just the quarterback position, uh, and obviously it gets the headlines, but it seems like, you know, every week we've had a handful of guys that by time we, you know, set to record, we're, we're still not sure, uh, if they're going to be, you know, healthy or not, uh, come, come next week, KJ Jefferson, excuse me for, uh, uh, Arkansas went down with a head injury, um he's questionable you know we saw the the just really really ugly hit on dylan gabriel uh for oklahoma he's questionable uh you know if i were to guess and and certainly i'm uh far removed from it but it would be surprising to me if if he were able to come back uh based on how that looked um on saturday malik cunningham missed time he's questionable this week um there were some others as well, uh, uh, you know, Rocky Lombardi, who I haven't seen in a couple of weeks. Uh, Aiden O'Connell was able to start, but it sounds like he's not necessarily 100% to go. Max Johnson at Texas A&M had a hand thing that's probably going to sideline him. Uh, you know, Tulane was down to their third string quarterback after a couple of injuries, um, but still were able to knock off Houston. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, there, there certainly are injuries all over the field, um, but quarterback specifically and, and some of the uh, best and most important players in the country, like Bryce Young, we're, we're uh, at this point as we record on Tuesday night, you know, unsure what their status will be come, come game day. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, do you think it's going to get better for uh, reporting injuries and stuff moving forward as, you know, gambling becomes legalized in more states and it starts to become just a little bit more, uh, you know, scrupulous to not know injury reports with um, so much money being thrown around here. Do you think that's something that's going to happen in college football? I thought we're going to get it to be a little bit more, um, you know, just have a little bit more knowledge going into the games than we do right now. Do you think it's going to get better soon? I don't know. Uh, oh, and a chance Nolan, Oregon State also, I, I failed to mention. But um, I'm not sure. You know, it, it, I, I don't know enough about the details to, you know, I'd just be speculating. But I haven't necessarily heard anything that makes me think uh, that there's somebody out there who's going to enforce it. You know, I mean, right. the NFL um, has relationships and, and has – uh, plans in place and, and the players association is involved and, and all of that uh, with college football, it's, you know, still a little bit of the wild west, obviously. And, and uh, the NCAA doesn't uh, mandate that, you know, that's never been set forth. So I think until some governing body or, or 
you know, I don't, I, it's weird with colleges too, because it's, it's, you know, public institutions, private institutions, relationships with governments and different states and all that. I think it's, it might just be too complicated for yeah, them to, to be able to put together, okay, this, everybody's going to follow this protocol. Uh, maybe, you know, if, if the, we get sort of the, the power, how, you know, whatever, two or five or whatever it ends up being breaks away and, and kind of separates itself as a different league almost, uh, however many years down the line, maybe that, you know, we'll, we'll see something along those lines in, in, uh, in the future. But as of right now, I mean, there's just so many different, uh, things going on and so many teams involved and so many different, you know, sets of rules and, and everything. I just, I, I don't know that there's any reason to think that it's right around the corner. Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, probably the, the best way. I feel like there has to be something soon with more and more States, um, you know, legalizing gambling and it's just going to move up every single year. So I feel like they're all nice. Yeah. I'd I'd love it. Uh, It would make my Monday and Tuesday a little bit calmer. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, just get an official uh, injury report or something. So it would be nice. But, um, you know, it's also hard, you know, doctor, patient, uh, privacy, and HIPAA and all that stuff. Like, it's it's hard to navigate through all that stuff, as you mentioned. So. Um, we'll see moving forward, but I feel like there also has to, there almost has to be a mandate if there's going to be this much cash, uh, being thrown around on these games, but, uh, let's go over to week six. We have some great games here, uh, in week six, we've got uh, number 25 tenant, uh, LSU hosting. Um, I believe what, what is Tennessee at now? Are they number 18, uh, or higher than that? Uh, right. Uh, Tennessee is at. Um, number eight, number eight, 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 eight. That's what not 18, eight. Yes. Um, but, uh, this game is Tennessee by two and a half on the road. Uh, the number is 64. We see it as a little lower scoring than that and closer to even, uh, with LSU just slightly barely favored at home here, Nick. So how do you see LSU and Tennessee playing out? Yeah. So we talked a lot in the preseason, you know, about how nervous our LSU uh, power ranking made me. I mean, I think by the time we finished up those team previews, they were fifth, sixth uh, at, you know, at, at the worst. And that seemed entirely too high. I mean, we were much higher, I think, than just about anybody else. Um, and in week one, you know, it, it, it definitely uh, started on the wrong foot, LSU really struggled against Florida state that loss has since looked a little bit better as good as Florida state um, had played over the first month of the year and LSU's picked it up pretty well. Uh, They have fallen in our power rankings as we've folded in the uh, 2022 team performance ratings, um, which LSU still playing like the 11th best team in the country, uh, according to those numbers. Um, But they are now 12th yet are still uh, a, a very, very, very slight favorite. Um, 
you know, basically a, a coin toss. It's 0 0.03 points that LSU is favored. Um, according to our current projections, they do get this game at home, and that's a big part of it. However, you know, it's not going to be Saturday night in Death Valley, so that's that certainly uh, makes you think that it, it won't be quite as on the biggest uh, advantage as far as home field advantage goes with this game being in Baton Rouge, but it, it still will get loud and, and difficult, you know, for Tennessee to uh, communicate and uh, should be a great environment, you know, regardless. So I think that there are a couple of, of you know, potential storylines, I guess, are, are injury related. For Tennessee, uh, Cedric Tillman had surgery a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure. It sounds like he, he has practiced. Um, and it was whatever the procedure was that uh, Tua Tunga Vailoa had a, a couple of years back in Alabama that he was able to come back from uh, really quickly. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll get to see Tillman. That would be uh, that would be great. Unfortunately, Tennessee has lost a starting corner in uh, Warren Burrell, uh, but LSU, you know, has struggled to throw the football this year. So um, that's maybe not as big a loss for this week, you know, even with Kayshawn Butte, uh, who's, who struggled to get going a little bit, but has, you know, first round talent, all American capabilities. Um, it's, you know, the, the LSU secondary, I'm a little more concerned about. We saw a scary injury with seven banks um, that he will be out for, for, you know, a couple of months. It sounds like major burns is still out. They're still, you know, working in a lot of transfers and that unit is right now a little bit of the, the weak spot defensively. LSU has played like a top 15 defense in our defensive team performance ratings overall. Uh, they are also top 15 against the run, but they're 44th against the pass. Not terrible, but, you know, if, if there is an area where an opponent can attack, it is probably going to be through the air, and, and Tennessee has done a uh, pretty good job this year. They're they're balanced, of course, with Hendon Hooker and, and his ability to run. Jabari Small, Jalen Wright have, have had some uh, big moments already this year as well, but um, – Tennessee is is a top ten passing offense, eighth in our offensive passing team performance. Uh, operated a really really quick pace, third in the average uh, time per play, and it it should just be a a really good game. I think that in some ways it's you know strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness. Tennessee's pass defense has you know been the the weaker of the two. Uh, you know, uh, against the run, against the pass. So uh, will LSU be able to, to make some uh, improvement there? Jane Daniels is not 100%, um, so he might be a little bit limited maybe uh, on the ground. We, we shall see. So neither team is at full strength. Neither team is, um, you know, clicking necessarily on all cylinders, but both are very talented and, you know, at least according to our projections, both are – top 12, top 15 type teams, uh, and it's expected to be a really, really close game. I don't have a, a ton of confidence uh, that LSU is going to be able to pull it off. Tennessee does have the extra week to prepare, has had the extra week to prepare. Um, 
but I do like that the game's in Baton Rouge, and, and I think that they will get uh, a good effort. And this LSU team is a little bit better than some people thought coming into the year and a little bit better uh, certainly than that first exposure that that some people had with that loss to Florida State. So I'm um, curious to see if, if they will play like a you know potential top 10 team um, or if, if Tennessee, who I think is probably – uh, the one we can trust a little bit more in this matchup is has proven it a little bit more, um, even though our our co-host uh, I'm sure would would uh, disagree. Um, you know, I I, I think that uh, we'll find out. We'll find out if one of these two teams is is uh, really going to be a problem in the SEC and and kind of a top ten uh, team this season. Yeah, I think if one win's going away, that's probably it, right? That's, you know, LSU did have the big loss to Florida State week one, as you mentioned, but that was also, you know, uh, Florida State had already played a game. There was a bunch of weirdness going on. So, um, you know, now that they're getting right, they might be dominant. Of course, that Florida State game probably will haunt them for the rest of the year. But I think I like Tennessee, like you said, with the extra week of rest. Um, I know it's a road game here too, but extra extra week of rest is just big. So uh, extra week to prep as well for LSU. So um, I think I'm going to like Tennessee in that game. But this game, I never thought I'd be saying this this year. Number 17 TCU on the road. And that's not that surprising. How about number 19 Kansas, the ranked Jayhawks. Uh, the spread here is TCU by seven on the road. The number is 67 and a half. We're pretty close to both of these, closer to the actual spread than the over-under. We're a little bit under um, uh, that total, but uh, this is going to be a fun one. Early game as well, so I won't get to see a lot of it because, of course, I'll be watching Texas-Oklahoma, but uh, I might put this one on my second screen. This is a good one. Um, how do you see this game playing out between two ranked Big 12 opponents in TCU and Kansas. Yeah, I mean, both teams have, have been a ton of fun so far. Uh, Kansas obviously has, uh, I've been calling them America's team, um, and, and <laughs> they have lived up to that. They've played like it. I mean, they, they are not the, the, you know, a top 20 team in our uh, power rankings, but they have climbed – a decent amount in about a month. Uh, they're 59th right now, and that's probably discounting them a little bit uh, because we do, you know, factor in some some past year's data into our midseason projections as well. Uh, we'll get rid of all that in a few more weeks. But um, Kansas has played like a top 40 team, 36th in overall team performance. Offensively, they've they've really given teams trouble. They rank 11th in overall team performance, uh, 29th passing, and 24th rushing. And that was after last week, where you know the numbers really weren't very good through the air against Iowa State, but they were still able to get it done, find a way to win. They, you know, the eye test. I I would say that there's not a better. Uh, you know, more improved looking team in the country. The only other argument might be Duke and we saw Kansas beat Duke head to head. So um, I, I think that they're legit. Are they a, a top 20 team? Probably not, but they're probably going to qualify for a bowl 
within, you know, I mean, they just need one more win, right? So could be this week, could be, uh, they certainly got a tough stretch coming, but, but I think that they will get at least one or two more wins and, and be a very, very difficult out for teams like, you know, TCU, who we do have favored, but by less uh, than a, than a touchdown, Oklahoma, Baylor, both on the road, of course, um, get an extra week to prepare for Oklahoma state, but winnable games, I'd say, although on the road at Texas tech at Kansas state. Um, and then, you know, I don't have to remind you, uh, that, that Texas seems like they're always sort of in, uh, within reach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I'll, I'll just say this about Kansas is, you know, being ranked and winning, uh, all these games, they're not sneaking up on anyone anymore. No. Like they are a team uh, not to be disrespected anymore they have proven that so um you know this is such an interesting game i just don't see you know like i think kansas had a path to victory in the other games um i mean they're at home so that's nice for them and jalen daniels i don't want to count them out of anything tcu's defense not like it's been stifling um i don't know maybe it's just because performance yeah maybe it's just because of their you know their track record, I don't see a way that Kansas I mean I mean I could see them beating the spread, but I don't see them winning this game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I, I so my my thought with both one one Kansas is a little bit banged up. We'll probably get to see a pretty heavy work, workload for Devin Neal for Jalen Daniels because at running back Kai Thomas has been out for a little bit. Daniel uh Henshaw we found out today is going to be out for a while. Um he's a big piece. Yeah. And uh but on the you know on the other side, TCU has has played incredibly well overall. They're ninth in team performance. Offensively, they're number two, top five, both against or you know, both passing and rushing, including number one uh rushing offense, which you know we wouldn't have expected with Zach Evans having transferred out. But Kendra Miller's been great and you know they're just they're solid, they're efficient. Uh they are so good, have graded out so well offensively, yet Quentin Johnston hasn't really got going at all. Uh, Max Duggan didn't win the starting quarterback job coming out of fall camp. Just happened to, you know, Chandler Morris went down in, in uh, week one and Duggan stepped in and played incredibly well. So TCU has been so good, and yet I think they haven't quite reached their ceiling offensively defensively they are you know they're not dominant by any any stretch like i said 47th in overall team performance 61st against the pass 42nd against the run um but they have improved 80 spots since last year so they're playing much better defensively um and they're a talented team they're a more talented team than kansas i would argue our numbers you know show that but Kansas is tough. Uh, and I mean, I mean that literally like they, they have uh, just become a better coached, um, better, you know, executing team. And I've got a lot of respect for, for what they have done. I, I think this is a game TCU should win. Our numbers think it's, you know, going to be close um, within a, within a touchdown. Uh, but I, I think that it's it's pretty clear TCU's the the uh, more talented team probably right now in some spots the deeper team as well, um, but we'll see should be should be fun. 
Then we go over to uh, the loser game of two unranked teams, both with two losses. The Red River rivalry this year, uh, Texas against Oklahoma in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl. Um, Texas is a seven-point favorite in this game. Haven't said that. I don't know if I've said that since we started this show, uh, that Texas was a seven-point favorite. Maybe at some point they were. But 65-and-a-half is the over. Uh, our system has this game a little bit under that, and Texas as a favor of a closer to five points instead of seven. So um, Quinn Ewers possibly back for Texas. Hopefully Bijan doesn't fumble. Um, but uh, I don't know. You know, Texas is so hit or miss. They looked great against Alabama, then looked terrible against Texas Tech, and it was the same old Texas. You know, it was like they're going to score a bunch of points and then give up a bunch of points. Oklahoma's look bad. You mentioned Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, could potentially be out for this game. They're adjusting to a new coaching staff. Really? This team is, and it hasn't been as smooth a transition as it has been for other first year coaches. But, um, you know, both these teams are, as the kids would say, Nick mid. So how do you see this one playing out? I, I think we've gotten this one wrong every year. <laughs> I, th I think our projection well, not this year <laughs> i think I, and maybe even outright i don't know i mean there, there have been some there have been some upsets there have been some comebacks uh we i know have always i think been you know higher on oklahoma at least the last few years uh this year that is not the case i don't know if you've seen our most updated power rankings uh texas is number six in those those most uh, most Hard updated rankings, well, I mean the talent numbers are great. Number six in overall roster strength, number five on offense. Um, they're actually playing really well. Also, overall ranked sixth in team performance. Um, played Alabama really well. That loss to Texas Tech, uh, I believe, according to Bill Connolly's numbers, was the um, most unlikely win for any team so far this year, as far as post game win expectancy goes. Uh, so Texas is a, is a good team. It, it, you know, they, they didn't come out on top and uh, on the scoreboard a couple of times, but, but they're playing really, really good football for the most part. Last week I was pretty impressed uh, and Oklahoma started pretty strong. I, I thought, uh, you know, they were sitting at number six, what, three weeks ago in our power rankings? And that felt about right. I, I thought that we were seeing a little bit of improvement on defense and and like what I saw on offense. I mean, they're moving fast. They're still playing well. Number four in team performance overall. The running game's been really good. Uh, but the defense, you know, and, and Xavier, unfortunately, is not going to be here to uh to to roast you <laughs> right to, <laughs> to to uh remind me uh remind you some yes, of the things that i've way to say i've it. said yeah. in the past uh but yeah i mean the, the defense has fallen apart and last week against tcu man i mean what they'd given up 28 in the first quarter right and uh, 42 by halftime i mean it was it was a a really really rough showing they're down to 83rd overall in defensive team performance uh, 104th against the run which is not necessarily you know a position you want to be in when when you've got to face somebody like Bijan robinson and a deep texas uh running back core so um i am 
cautiously optimistic, I guess, uh, that that this will be a, a close game. But with it, it seems like, if I understood correctly, Quinn Ewers was available but did not play last week. That makes me think he's, you know, back and, and healthy, yeah. good to go. But Hudson Card, you know, I, I think has been – He's been all right. Pretty yeah, well. he's been fine. Um, so it seems like Texas has two pretty good options. Dylan Gabriel may or may not be back. And, you know, I didn't necessarily see uh, a ton to get super excited about Davis Bevel. Uh, it sounds like Nick Evers, is the true freshman, is getting some uh, snaps this week. <clears throat> you know, I, I'm, I'm not feeling great about what I'm – uh, seeing and hearing about Oklahoma's quarterback situation. And they've had some other injuries as well. So I, I, you know, our numbers think it's going to be close. And this game, uh, the, the throw the records out is overused. <laughs> but I think this is the one where, sure. yeah, like, you know, these teams – weird things happen and <laughs> good teams lose in this rivalry and teams that aren't as good still find a way sometimes to, to come out on top. So I do think that, that, you know, hopefully we will see a good game and I would not write off Oklahoma, but I think that Texas is rightly favored and expected to win um, for projections, you know, records uh, wise, Hoping maybe it's closer to a field goal than than that full touchdown, but or, or double digits. Um, but this, at least on paper right now, and, and sort of how these teams are playing, uh, I, I I feel a good bit better about Texas than I do Oklahoma. Yeah, you know this is one of those games where what I'm really looking for because there's still college kids and going to be inconsistent. It's just the way it is. But Texas got up to play Bama. Are they going to get up to play this game? Uh, you know, that that's the question here. And that's really what you want to see out of uh, these teams moving forward, because that is something that with the, you know, the two coaching changes before uh, Sark, they just didn't get up to play in these big games. Uh, but Sark got him to play uh, hard against Bama. Is he going to be able to inspire that same and instill that same confidence? Because it did for a, they, they got it for a half last year before Caleb Williams came in and ran all over him. So. Um, are they going to be up the same way they were for Bama? And if, if they are that ready to go, they should beat up Oklahoma. Uh, but if they're not Oklahoma, and if they only do it for a half, doesn't matter. Oklahoma can come back and will come back and, uh, win a game. So, uh, that's what I'm looking for here. I think Texas can win this game, but it's never, ever, ever going to be a gimme in, uh, this game. So let's go over to Utah at UCLA. Uh, Utah is a four and a half point favorite. 64 is the total in this game. Uh, we've got UCLA favorite in this game coming off that big win against Washington. Uh, and we have under this total, uh, not a surprise. Um, these high totals are usually under a little bit, but uh, how do you see this game playing out, Nick? Cause this is an interesting one. UCLA, one of the more inconsistent teams in college football. And um, you know, Utah lost a big game to Florida. They, they won a couple big ones. How do you see this one playing? Well, I, uh, you said something interesting. I mean, traditionally, yeah, I think that UCLA has been pretty inconsistent this year. Um, it, you know, if you're referring to their play this year, I know they had the close call against South Alabama, 
but they have been a solid team uh, so far this season. 100% post-game win expectancy in three games. That South Alabama win, even though it was at the last second, uh, was an 83%. And then last week against Washington, uh, 90%. And, you know, they built, uh, uh, what, three-score lead at, at one point in the second half, I believe. So, um yeah, my thing there is I don't really care about Colorado, Alabama State, and Bowling Green. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the, they, they the, almost lost to Bam, South Alabama, and then they beat up Washington. I don't think it was as close as this 40 to 32. So, like, you know, you take those two games where, and South Alabama shouldn't have been in the, the South Alabama is a very good team. You know what I mean? And, and going into that game, I even remember I questioned, I'm like, why is UCLA only favored by, I think it was 17 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, Hey, look out for South Alabama. They are not a, a, a bad team at all. They're very good. And apparently me and UCLA both didn't know about <laughs> South Alabama and they gave UCLA a scare and then they make Michael Penix turn into a pumpkin. So like, that's what I mean by inconsistent. They're five and oh, they have consistently won. They just haven't been in the two teams that could challenge them, they look great in one and bad in the other. That's what mm-hmm. I meant. So, yeah, I mean, are they a team that I fully trust? No, not necessarily. <laughs> right. Uh, There's Chip but, Kelly in a bottle right there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the way our projection falls, it's basically a carbon copy of last week's against Washington. Um, UCLA gets the game at home. You know, home field advantage maybe is not worth the full two and a half points. Uh, that we get there in the Rose Bowl, but you know, school's in session now at least, so maybe it's it's getting a little bit better. Uh, Utah also has been banged up. I mean, Brent Keithy, one of the best tight ends, uh, really one of the best offensive weapons in the country, is out unfortunately. Torn ACL a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they also didn't have Solomon Enos last week. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be back yet. They did get. Uh, their best linebacker, Mohamed Diabate, back. But Utah is not necessarily at full strength. Um, and at least so far on the field, uh, UCLA has been you know, the better team statistically. Now, Utah certainly, I think, um, has been tested more. I mean, had to go on the road to play Florida. Um, you know, did go on the road and, and handled business against Arizona State. Last week against Oregon State. Um dominated that game in in a lot of ways so uh, utah has been solid and and you know what we expect they are a team um that has earned some trust you know over over uh the last few years but even so far this season since that week one uh loss at, at florida you know they've they've taken care of business every week since so i understand why you know, I don't necessarily feel, you know, super confident that UCLA is going to win this game. Uh, I do think that Utah is is certainly, um, you know, not only this week but next week against USC, uh, going to have something to say as far as the the Pac-12 title race goes. Um, but so far, you know, we we have been high on UCLA, and they have not messed it up yet (laughs) so uh (laughs) we'll see you know i mean that that south alabama game was was a little too close for comfort um but otherwise 
you know, they are they are rounding into a pretty good team. Dorian, Dorian Thompson Robinson looked fantastic. You know, I was able, even though I didn't get to see it live, was able to go back and and uh, watch sort of a, a quick replay. Um, loved what I've seen from him this season and, and you know, last week especially. Um, Jake Bobo had a big game, really broke out. Uh, give him a, another weapon. Zach Charbonnet has been one of the best running backs in college football the last couple of years. So offensively, Utah is going to have its hands full. Uh, defensively, you know, will the Utes be able to uh, get, you know, uh, will they will they have enough? Will, will Tavion Thomas and Jalen Glover and Devon Bailey and, and Jalen Dixon, who had a nice game, uh, Dalton Kincaid, who, you know, is, is maybe the uh, second best tight end in the Pac-12 behind uh, Keithy, you know, are, are they going to be able to make plays against – a UCLA defense that has been not spectacular, but but decent, you know, a top 50 unit. So uh, these teams are, are pretty evenly matched. The Both offenses have been a little bit better than both defenses. Um, both teams are playing like top 20 teams. Both teams are, you know, at that, that fringe top 10 territory in our power rankings. UCLA does get the game at home. It might not mean a ton, but it means something. Um, so, you know, with with UCLA as an outright favorite in our projections, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bruins here. Uh, but this is certainly a game that Utah could win, uh, especially if we get you know that that US or excuse me that UCLA, um, whether it's a hangover performance, whether it's a you know just let down uh, after after a big win, or just sometimes. They haven't always, you know, showed up. So uh, hopefully Utah with, with you know, hopefully from a projection standpoint, I don't necessarily have a real rooting interest here. Um, but Utah probably isn't overlooking UCLA for USC, but they do have that going. UCLA, it's the bye week uh, that's next and then Oregon. So I don't know. There, there are some signs pointing toward things that uh, – make me think that that UCLA might be able to pull it off. Um, are they outright the better team? That I'm not so sure, uh, but I do think this is a game that they could win. Uh, you know, it's funny is I looked and 95% of cash right now, it's still early, but 95% of cash on Utah in this game uh, is surprising because I'm with you like, you know, I know I just talked down UCLA and called them inconsistent, but Utah is the same deal. They are also uh, inconsistent, in my opinion. You know, always good, uh, but not always great. So, um, and that loss to Florida, you know, because Florida hasn't looked good since that win. So, um, I don't know. You know, I know that was first game and everything, too, so that could be a little bit different, but I don't have a good lean in that game is what I would say. So uh, I'll probably be staying away from it. I'm just surprised to see all the money on one side. We go over to uh, USC ranked number six, hosting Washington state. USC is a 13 point favorite. 66 is the over in this. We're, uh, you know, a little bit under on the high total and um, we're about a point and a half different uh, still on USC, but not by 13. So uh, Washington state has shown us a little this year. Uh, USC has, you know, they they are the typical Lincoln Riley Oklahoma team, uh, in my opinion, where they're gonna score a decent amount on offense, not gonna stop too many people on defense. And Washington State has looked good 
So how do you see this game playing out, Nick? Well, I think it, it's a game that USC should win. Um, they are offensively, as you mentioned, I mean, looking really, really good. Uh, defensively, they've been fortunate at times. Uh, they've struggled against the run, but they have, you know, come up big with turnovers, uh, big plays defensively. Um, and there are, you know, some positive signs, I think, on, on that side of the ball. Uh, but Washington State, you know, if this game were in Pullman, I would like it a lot more. A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about USC having to go on the road at Oregon State, and that's such a you know difficult place to play. Um, Pullman is is similar in a lot of ways, uh, but you know they're they're going to be at home, and and uh, I think that even as a double digit favorite, even as good as Washington State has played, and they played like a top fifty team, looking like a bowl team, looking like. Um, a tough team to beat that win over Wisconsin, maybe not as uh, impressive today as it was at the time, given, you know, the last few weeks there. Um, but Washington state is, is coming around on offense. Cam Ward got started a little slow, you know, in, in the first uh, couple of weeks, but he's come around, had a big game last week. Um uh, we've seen some good things out of his receiving core. Renard Bell was a big part of that uh, offensive performance last week. Desan Stribling is a, a solid, uh, you know, bigger target. Um, Ward gets his, uh, you know, has gotten the last week or so. Uh, one of his favorite targets from uh, UIW back in, in Robert Farrell, uh, the transfer who was, you know, not, not healthy early in the season, but, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, you know, defensively, they're solid. Top 30 in overall team performance, 21st against the run, but they're 78th against the pass. And USC is, is I think, good enough uh, in both areas that even if, you know, they can't quite get Travis Dye and Austin Jones going on the ground, I, I think that, Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, that that receiving core, um, they just have too many weapons, I think, for Washington State. Like uh, a lot of the pass rushers that Washington State has, they're playing you know decent up front so far this year, 33rd in defensive line performance ratings right now. Um, really, Washington State's been good along the line of scrimmage on, on both sides of the football. Uh, but... I just I think USC might just have too much firepower. I'm not sure that the Trojans are going to be able to you know make it through unscathed next week at Utah is is probably uh, the toughest game on the schedule though you know UCLA obviously and and Notre Dame I think are capable. Um, but this one it would be a bit of a surprise for for them to lose at home as a double digit favorite. Um, even as, even as impressive as Washington state's been at times. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, USC is once again, USC is a team that can absolutely dominate here, but, uh, I just, I don't know that they're distrustable this quickly. So, um, this is probably a stay away from me. Um, I don't know. I might like the over though. I expect a lot of points. Uh, this game. Looks like it. I mean, this game 
we've been looking forward to for the entire offseason. And it doesn't really belong on this list, uh, I don't think. But because it's such an interesting game, we have to talk about it. Number one, Alabama hosting Texas A&M, who beat them last year. The first game in um, first opponent in 100 to beat Alabama as an unranked opponent. Then we had all of the recruiting talk with Nick Saban pointing out Texas A&M for paying their players and uh, Jimbo Fisher getting upset. And, and, you know, it kind of calmed down after that. But these are both guys that don't forget, you know, and, and they they both want to win this game. Obviously, um, Texas A&M has nothing on offense right now. Just it's been a difficult it's been a struggle for them to find a starting quarterback in any type of consistency. That is why Bama is 24 point home favorites in this game. 52 is the number. We see it pretty close. We're a little under on both of those. Uh, but I don't know, Nick. I don't think this is the best Bama team that we've seen in a couple years to extract, you know, wrathful type biblical vengeance on Texas AM. But especially with the the chance of Bryce Young not playing in this game. But I also know that uh, I feel like Nick Saban is going to be out for blood here. Uh, Jimbo should be too, though. And that defense is strong for Texas A&M. Very, very strong. So how do you see this one playing out? Both defenses. I mean, Alabama is still number one in defensive team performance. uh, Top three (laughs) against both the run and the pass. Um, Texas A&M has been solid, but they're more of a top 50 defense. uh, Struggle a little bit against the run and and what we saw last week with uh, Jamar Gibbs, you know, that, that makes you a little bit worried. I, I have made uh, in our, in our projections and our team strength uh, projections do have uh, Bryce Young listed as the full starter. Okay. Uh, So I kind of wanted to give Alabama at full strength just to see how close we could get. Uh, to this 24, I knew we probably weren't going to get there, uh, similar to last week in, in Arkansas. It's just, you know, Alabama is, is so good, um, and, and they're able to, uh, you know, strike so quickly, and, and things can, you know, put them out of reach, um, that even if Bryce Young, you know, weren't able to play, um, I, I kind of wanted to, to give them – the most benefit of the doubt I could uh, as far as our projections go, but we still, you know, got to 22 and a half. So we won't spend a ton of time on, you know, who will win uh, because all signs really, even with uh, Bryce Young's health in doubt, because Texas A&M's, you know, got their own quarterback injury issues. Uh, also, Anaya Smith, one of their best offensive playmakers, is out for the year. So yeah. as much as they have struggled offensively in their 88th and offensive Team performance overall, 98th uh, passing and 70th rushing. Um, they're, they're you know, not even close to, to full strength on that side of the football. So this is a game that Alabama certainly should win. Um, it's one that I'm glad after this, you know, hopefully we don't have to hear about Nick Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher uh, <laughs> much. I, I was already a little tired of that in, in the summer when it, you know, Couple of let's days get an old man fist fight midfield there, after um, the game. Let's um, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's 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 uh, sometimes certain coaches, 
certain teams, sometimes you struggle, you know, with, with sure. whatever it is for, for whatever reason, you know, sometimes it actually is okay. You know, one, one of them knows how the other thinks. Um, and Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban have a, have a long history. So there's probably a little bit of that. Um, but, you know, last year's success, last year's win, though it was in College Station, um, certainly a, a different scenario. Perhaps, you know, this week at practice, even as much as has gone wrong for Texas A&M, because remember, things weren't really looking great going into the Alabama game last year. Uh, Texas A&M was really, really struggling. Um, but maybe they're able to, to go back. Uh, they had lost two in a row to Arkansas and Mississippi State <laughs> uh, coming into the game. So um, this year, you know, they beat Arkansas and lost to Mississippi State. But uh, perhaps there's uh, you know, some, some motivation, some confidence that they can draw from the success that they had last year um, to know, hey, we can beat these guys. Maybe they're able to keep it close. Um, maybe there's something that you know Jimbo Fisher has picked up uh, to where he's able to to you know scheme up Alabama a little bit better than than some other folks have been able to do. But I'm just not sure that Texas A&M has you know the depth and and really uh, the offensive firepower to to keep up. Um, we are on the under on 52, and and part of that is the Alabama defense. You know, will Texas A&M score? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is is a is a question. Um, so I do actually kind of like uh, the under, but this this seems like a thirty-eight to ten type game. And, yeah, and probably one Alabama should win. Um, Might be thirty-five to zero for a big chunk sure, of that game too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I see it playing that way too. I I do, you know, and, and look, um, Jimbo should be the one out for blood, right? Because of the the stuff that Saban was saying, and Saban has apologized publicly and all that stuff. I don't know that that. I mean, that is a pretty um, I don't know impotent response to such strong words uh, saying before. You know, you can publicly apologize, but I mean, you said what you said, man. You know, there's not a lot of going back on it. So um, I don't know. This game is going to be good, I think, for a little bit, and then it's really going to get away from the Aggies, I feel like. But look, I thought the Aggies had no hope last year. They were at home. They end up winning that game and surprising everybody. So this is what I mean when we get to these, you know, conference games and rivalry weeks and stuff like that, where you do, you have a strong lean, but you've seen it play the other way, you know, uh, which makes to me sometimes you know, maybe not numbers wise, but gut feeling wise, it, it, it takes me a little bit back on some of these games. Uh, let's go over to Florida state on the road against NC state. NC state is a three point favorite. The over is 52 and a half. We're right in line with these numbers, Nick. So, uh, NC state at home, Florida state is four and one, obviously just dropped the, the one to wake four and one for UNC as well. Their only loss coming uh, to Clemson. Uh, I think you mentioned before that game, 30 to 20, was probably the score looks a little bit closer than it was. Uh, Clemson kind of won that one going away. But um, I don't know. You know, I, I like that at least we get back to uh, this game being uh, an important, fun one. 
So, because uh, Florida State has been out for it for a little while, been out of it for a little while. I do remember um, a game specifically in Tallahassee uh, where when this uh, rivalry was, I mean, it's always been good, but I remember Bradley Chubb spitting on the logo at uh, midfield. Uh, and um, I like, I thought, wow, this, uh, this rivalry is a little more intense than I think I gave it credit for, you know, obviously um, watching the SEC and the Big 12 for so long and living on the West Coast seeing a lot of UC at USC and UCLA rivalry stuff, Washington, Washington state, Arizona, Arizona state has like the oldest trophy in rivalry games. I didn't realize how much hatred these teams have towards each other, but it's a lot. Uh, and this should be a fun game. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I, I, I was not, you know, fully impressed uh, with NC state last week. Wasn't necessarily fully, you know, impressed with with Florida State either. Uh, Wake Forest, it seemed, kind of took control of, of that game relatively early, uh, in a lot of ways, like Clemson did, and, and Florida State was able to come back a bit, but um, they dug a big hole and and weren't quite able to to climb out. So. All of the uh, narratives and you know off-field scenarios, which do have a place, I think, in in some of the discussion. Sometimes I, I know I uh, read off numbers a lot, but I, I do think that there are some things that that do impact what happens based on what happened last week. If if one of these teams had played its game, uh, but the other you know had a big win. I, I would start to think to myself, okay, you know, how is the motivation gonna gonna factor here? Are we gonna see a bounce back uh, performance by you know the team that that had the tough loss last week? Are we gonna see um, you know did did the big win give momentum, or are they gonna uh, be set up for a letdown? It's harder when but, both of them get beat up. <laughs> but both are, are kind of coming in in the same scenario. They are both uh playing just outside of top 25 football nc state's 27th in overall team performance florida state is 32nd um in our power rankings they're pretty evenly matched florida state is uh 22nd and nc state is i just clicked on the wrong team uh 19th so you know solid still definitely in the top half in in the acc uh, really the top, you know, third, top quarter, but not, you know, certainly they are beatable. They both lost last week, and, you know, that's obvious. But uh, NC State has struggled a little bit on offense. They have not, you know, even though Devin Leary uh, has flashed at times some of the things that have, you know, gotten so many people excited about him. Uh, Thayer Thomas has been the biggest, most consistent playmaker on offense um they're still you know pretty mediocre uh in our team performance numbers 68th overall on offense 77th passing and 87th rushing um they are hopefully getting jordan houston back at, at full strength they have had a bit of a you know one-two punch there uh with he and demi sumo uh come by but they you know have, have struggled to move the football consistently and prior to Clemson, you know, not necessarily against the toughest schedule. Um, Florida State, 
meanwhile, you know, has been tested. We talked about the win over a, a, an LSU team that looks better than they did at the time, but is still, you know, one of the, the top 10, top 15 uh, most talented teams in the country. Um, they had to win on the road at Louisville on a Friday night, which was tough to do, uh, beat a player like Malik Cunningham, who was capable of, of uh, taking a game over by himself, you know, came back and, and beat Boston College as well. So they've been tested throughout. They have played better on offense. They are 13th in offensive team performance overall, number four passing. Uh, we've seen some real breakout moments from a couple of the you know transfers that they were relying on coming into the year to improve on that side of the ball. Uh, Micah Pittman had a big game last week. Johnny Wilson had the huge game against Louisville um, and, and really has started to become that matchup nightmare that uh, he should be, you know, listed at six, seven and, and 235 pounds. Uh, he's starting to play like it now. And, and Jordan Travis, he had the injury scare, but has played really, really well um, so far this year to the point where, you know, I, I see some NFL draft guys say, Hey, maybe we should start talking about him as a, a potential draftable quarterback, which is not something I think any of us would have thought a couple of years ago when he was basically, you know, a run first, run second uh, quarterback. But he's made a, a lot of improvement on that side of the ball. Is Devin Leary a better quarterback? Potentially, yeah. Uh, overall, <laughs> certainly a better uh, pro prospect. Um, but right now, Jordan Travis has more to work with. I mean, Treshawn Ward has looked really, really good at times. Trey Benson's had some big games. I mean, they are deep at running back. I still like Lawrence Tafile, uh, Tafili, my apologies. Um, and that receiver core, you know, I mentioned Thayer Thomas, but nobody else is really kind of kind of broken out. Uh, well, you know, Ontario Wilson had a big game early on. Micah Pittman last week, Johnny Wilson a couple of weeks ago. Not only are they, you know, getting – uh, their their receivers are, are, are making plays, but uh, it's it's kind of a different guy each week. Um, so I think that you know Florida State has, has struggled a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. They're 88th in defensive team performance overall, 93rd against the run. But I'm not necessarily right now scared about NC State's running game. I'm not necessarily you know scared that that they're going to be able to uh, take the game over, you know, passing either. I guess that might be their their best path to victory. But I think that this Florida State offense is is probably going to give a very good and, and experienced and deep NC State defense uh, their potentially their toughest test of the year. I mean, last week Clemson looked pretty good, uh, but I think Florida State is probably a little bit more explosive. And so this is going to be, this is going to be a tough test. Uh, they do get it at home in Raleigh. So I certainly understand why NC state is, is favored in this game. Uh, and you mentioned our projections are, are, you know, very, very close to uh, what the odds makers have. Um, we see it within a field goal, but I personally, <clears throat> I'm kind of leaning toward, you know, this is a game that Florida State can can go and win on the road. And and uh, I think it's just I haven't 
really been impressed with NC State yet this year. Maybe this is where, you know, they get the big win uh, and they really start to, to get everything together and make a big push. Um, but based on, you know, what I've seen the first month of the season, uh, I kind of like, I kind of think Florida State, at least today, is the better team coming in. And, and you know, there are certainly some some reasons to believe NC State can win this game. They could definitely win it uh, by, you know, a touchdown or more if that passing attack, you know, starts to, to really uh, take a step forward and Devin Leary truly does look like, you know, that future pro and, and all ACC caliber quarterback. Um, but I've, I've yet to really see it this year. And I, I think that, that uh, NC state could be in a little bit of trouble. Here. Yeah. Uh, I I'm with you in that game. It's going to be a fun one. All right. No Xavier here. So we'll hit a couple of these games, lightning round style uh, to finish off our week six preview. Um, just a couple that I want to ask you about. Uh, the first one being Wisconsin as 10 point favorites on the road against Northwestern. Uh, if you know what Braylon Allen is saying about uh, Paul Chris leaving, this could be one of those games where, you know, Wisconsin rather than uh, going out and winning because they're happy, they lose because they're not happy about this coaching change here. Um, I don't know. Northwestern's not Northwestern's not very good though. So uh, 10 point road favorites for Wisconsin seems like that should be probably a little bit bigger most weeks, but how do you see that one playing out? So we, we don't really have time, I guess, to, to dig into uh, <laughs> the job search stuff. I was, I was pretty shocked uh, that Paul Chris was fired when he was fired pretty much everybody else to this point. And, you know, we've talked about it, the three of us in, in our group chat that, uh, and for years. I mean, I've always been the one who's slow on the trigger in, in these sort right. of things. Um, but I felt that until Paul Christ, everybody like, yeah, it was everybody it that was, got canned probably was. It was it can. was at yeah. least on time. Uh, this move seems like a, uh, you know, you'd rather make a move too early than too late, especially when it seems like they really, really want Jim Leonard. Was it 1989 the last time Wisconsin fired a coach? I mean, it's been a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, time. that makes sense because Alvarez was there for so long. So, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, and then Bielema left for, for Arkansas. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like, okay, this is our best chance to to keep Jim Leonard maybe and give him a full, you know, opportunity to, to see if he can do this job and he's the guy. Uh, so from that angle, I, I kind of get it. But, man, I, I – it kind of blindsided me. I thought maybe Chris was a little bit in trouble, um, but I didn't see, you know, that even what's next is David Shaw going to get canned. Come on. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe who knows? Uh, but anyway, I, I, we're on, you know, we think Wisconsin's going to win, but it's by less than a touchdown. Okay. And I kind of <clears throat> like that on the one hand, you know, Wisconsin hasn't played real well this year, um, obviously. Uh, Northwestern, <laughs> you know, after after the Nebraska game, has not played very well. Oh, that was their all. one win. Yeah, uh, their other losses here include Duke, the Salukis of Southern Illinois, 
Miami and Penn State. So Miami State, of Ohio. Yeah, Miami of Ohio. Well, <laughs> Miami of Ohio might be better than Miami. So Middle Tennessee beat Miami. So um, yeah, uh, all losses for Northwestern. So I got I gotta like Wisconsin in that game too. I'm so so the thing is though, uh, Pat Fitzgerald as a double digit underdog, and I don't know the numbers on this. I, I don't have those in front of me or, or filed away, but. Uh, always is is such a pain that he just even if they don't win you know they don't often get just completely blown out um maybe the last couple of years they they have had some bad teams and and last year uh Wisconsin you know beat them 35 to 7 so so they have been blown out a little bit but i guess maybe my my uh long memory and and his long history uh, makes me think, okay, as a, as a double-digit underdog, Pat Fitzgerald could be a little bit dangerous. So I don't hate that we're on Northwestern to cover. But this is definitely a game that Wisconsin should win, and it'll be an opportunity to, uh, you know, really kind of kind of turn a new leaf, whatever whatever saying we want to put there, <laughs> right. uh, and, and finish the, the season strong. And, and yeah. maybe uh, Jim Leonard, Jim Leonard, you know, gets the job and the team rallies around. We'll see. Seems like that's what they want to happen. Georgia as a 30 point favorite at home against Auburn. I mean, I know Auburn isn't good, but Georgia didn't look, they were not clicking on all cylinders against Missouri last week. Uh, Is it this just, Hey, it's at home and Auburn sucks. So uh, I mean, that's a big, big number in an SEC game like this. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I mentioned with, with Alabama, I mean, it's just too too many points for our projections in a conference yeah. game. Uh, so we we certainly couldn't get there. But yeah, I, I think thirty points. Uh, I would hope that Auburn's going to be able to to keep it closer. <laughs> to that. How about uh, Miami being favored at home against North Carolina? Uh, I don't know. I think most of the money. I think it's like ninety six percent is on North Carolina because Miami just has not looked good this year. What do you think of that one? We have Miami favored, uh, not, you know, expected to cover, but I was a little surprised that, that they're favored. They are banged up, uh, on the offensive line, wide receiver core and in the running back room. Uh, so don't necessarily feel about, you know, feel great about that. Um, but Miami has played really strong defense against the run. They've been bad against the pass and, and, you know, Drake may has been great for North Carolina this year. So, I, I don't necessarily feel uh, good about that, but yeah, I mean Miami, we're we're I guess just not ready to say that they're uh, you know they're they're not dead yet, I guess. Um, and perhaps you know after that embarrassing loss, maybe uh, you kind of get a, a scared straight or, or something in the bye week and and are able to turn around. We'll see. Either it's going to go. I think either it's going to go bad quickly uh, for Miami, or this will be that opportunity to say, you know, hey, no, we're still we're still capable of uh, winning our division in the ACC, which I think still has two divisions. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I don't have a lot of confidence in it, but we do have Miami favored, but I think we're on uh, North Carolina to cover. I got three that I want your gut feeling on, and then I have two 
that I want some numbers on. So gut feeling ones, uh, number 16, BYU at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a three and a half point favorite. Uh, well, let's do that one first. Gut feeling on that one. Ooh. So I know the numbers on that one because uh, they're kind of interesting. We have BYU favored uh, out, out on the overall and the other two, the stats and the, and the talent have uh, Notre Dame favored. So I'm torn a little bit. I think I would rather be on Notre Dame. Okay. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I think so too. Uh, I don't want any part of that game. That's why I asked you. How about uh, number 20, <laughs> Kansas State as two-point road favorites uh, on the road against Iowa State. Um, Iowa State has some injuries too, I think. So yeah. um, interesting game here. Uh, that one, I know our projection is really, really close to what the odds makers have. Iowa State has been a team that I just don't have a good read on and, and our projections don't have a good read on. Um, I think that's a game that Kansas State should should win. I think so, too, especially with some of those injuries. Uh, Oregon, a 13-and-a-half-point road favorite against Arizona. The over is 70 in this game because Jaden Delora and Jacob Cowing have really – uh, developed uh, the last two weeks have really uh, got into a rhythm here for Arizona, but Oregon, you know, still a top uh, 15 team here, even with that big loss, to Georgia opening up. How do you see that one going? So we, our projection is way under and in, in past years, we talked about how, okay, if it's, you know, 65 or over, we just can't get there. You know, the model is not quite built to get there. If it's 45 and under, it's not, you know, we're not able to get there. That is not necessarily the case anymore. We actually have a projection on the Illinois-Iowa game of 38, which for us, I mean, we've never been in the 30s before. So did some work to, to uh, you know, try to get on those outside extremes a little bit. Uh, but we're not even close to the, the 70. We're at 57 and a half, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know. I, I think I like that. I think that Oregon and, and you know, Bo Nix has played. I, I think I saw some some of our CFF friends said he's been uh, a top five quarterback in four straight games as far as CFF production. I mean, they put up 45, 44, 40, and 70. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the, only the Georgia game is the one that they've scored under 40. So sure. Seems like they're definitely getting to 40 here. They put up 44 on Washington State. They put up 45 on Stanford, 70 on East Washington. So, um, yeah, it looks like 40 is their number for sure. So I, I, I don't know. I guess part of it is I'm just I, I still struggle. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure. I trust Bo Nix to keep up this level of consistency. You know, maybe as a four-year guy. Maybe he's finally, you know, reached that point, become the player that it looked like he was going to be coming out of high school. Um, but, I, you know, we've got the the uh, projection in single digits. Arizona is kind of lost in the, the Kansas shadow uh, because if, if uh, we knew that they were going to be uh, three, you know, have three wins by now, um, they would have been the talk of college football based on, you know, their season that they had last year. But um, I, I think Arizona can make it interesting. And I do kind of 
expect to see a little bit of regression from Bo Nix and perhaps, you know, an Oregon defense uh, give a, a little bit more um, resistance than, than what Arizona has seen the last couple of weeks. So uh, we'll see. Um, don't have a, a great read on it, uh, but we see it as, as a, a single-digit uh, spread. Neither one of these games are fun that I'm going to mention, but I do find these <laughs> lines interesting, these last two, and I want the numbers on them. Illinois as a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, at home against Iowa, and the over is 35-and-a-half. Uh, I mean, you know, both these teams are uh, – they, they operate the same way. You know what I mean? Run the ball, play strong defense. So 35-and-a-half isn't that surprising. I kind of thought a little bit Illinois being favored was, of course, Illinois just beat Wisconsin. So, and they're four and one. They're a good team right now. Um, but they beat, I mean, they beat teams while they're down. So I don't know how, I wouldn't call them great, but they won who's in front of them. You know, they beat a down Virginia team. Um, they, they barely lost to Indiana. They should have won that game. Uh, they beat Wyoming. They beat Chattanooga and they beat a down Wisconsin team. Iowa, on the other hand, three and two, they looked a little bit better uh, against, they at least put up a fight against Michigan. Um, you know, they lost to Iowa State 10 to seven, and they are really relying on their defense uh, to turn the ball over and, and make plays for them. So how do we see this game playing out? Who's favored and what is our total on this one? So our, our total, we were able to get into the 30s, but we couldn't quite okay. get under. Um <laughs> So I felt decent about that. Sure. Uh, but these are two of the top three defenses in the country and, and overall right. team performance. Um, I was going back through some old tweets because I remember in the summer uh, or, you know, late spring when those first projections were starting to, to come together uh, and doing some work on the Illinois page and, and thinking, man, I'm kind of. I'm kind of coming around on Illinois a little bit. And I do remember specifically making an update and tweeting about it and saying, Illinois favored over Iowa. Like, that's interesting. <laughs> and so, yeah, we we expected it. Um, and I think that, you know, come the preseason, Iowa had, had uh, squeaked back in front. But Illinois, you know, is playing like a top 20 team. They're in the top 30 in our overall power rankings right now. Um, so I, you know, we're the numbers wise, a believer in Illinois, they are playing elite defense right now. And they actually have some offensive playmakers. Chase Brown's one of the best running backs in college football. Uh, Isaiah Williams is one of my favorite players. Um, Tommy DeVito might not be my first pick for, you know, who you're going to, uh, have, you know, behind center, but he looks much improved from what we saw the last couple of years at Syracuse. So it's coming together pretty well for Illinois. And they're, they're just right now playing really, really solid football. And the defense is a big, big part of it. I mean, top five in each of our major statistical categories, number one, in PPA per play allowed, number two in success rate allowed, number three in points per drive, number four yards per pass attempt, number five, or excuse me, number four in yards per play, number five in yards per pass attempt. Uh, they're just, they're solid. Uh, and, and you know, you put them up against uh, an Iowa offense that struggles against everybody. 
And will Iowa score? I'm not sure. I, I think this is a game that Illinois is rightly favored. And, and uh, we do have Illinois to cover. Yeah, we've got it closer to a touchdown than, than the three and a half. I told you these last two aren't going to be fun. Um, UConn as a oh, five-point oh, five favorite is, against FIU. Um, I hit – this was one of my games, FIU in um, uh, New Mexico State. I picked the under, and luckily it was 21-7. to seven. I thought because FIU had just got smoked by Western Kentucky, I thought they weren't going to put up many points. They ended up winning this game outright, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, but UConn beat Fresno State, as you mentioned before. Um, uh, obviously, uh, you know, an injury to uh, Hayner was a big part of that. Our boy John Lobb was at that game celebrating, having a good time as well. So um, what do we have this game at? The total is uh, fairly low as well. It is, um, I just lost it here, 45 and a half. So it's not, you know, 35 like the other game, but it's still low because both these offenses are a bit rough. How do we see this one playing out? Well, the winner of this game is going to go over their preseason win total. So if, right. it's, if it's UConn, they'll be over the two and a half. If it's FIU, uh, actually, they will they will no worse than push against with the three. Um, I yeah, I, I mean. I didn't get to see a ton of the game last week uh, with UConn. I haven't seen FIU since uh, week one against Bryant, and they didn't look very good. Um, I don't have necessarily a great read. I know UConn is, <laughs> is really, really banged up at running back. You're not diving into like UConn and FIU, Nick? Come on. Where's your you read know, on this game? They're, they're really banged up <laughs> at running back. They lost their starting quarterback and – Week one, yeah, uh, they lost two uh, starting wide receivers already this year. Another transfer that they were expected to really lean on. So offensively, UConn is uh, not anywhere near full strength. Even if they were, you know, a, a talented team, they're playing a true freshman at quarterback. Uh, sophomores all over the place everywhere else. But Devonte Houston had a big game last week. And there's some excitement around that program. Uh, you know, definitely got a lot of headlines with the Jim Mora hire. Um, FIU, fewer headlines, but, you know, kind of interesting now that the Colorado job has opened up again. Mike McIntyre got fired there maybe a little early um, and has since, you know, bounced around a couple of defensive coordinator jobs, landed at FIU. Uh Early on in the year, they were playing at a really, really fast offensive pace. That has come back just a little bit. Uh, but FIU has one of the best receivers at the group of five level. You know, somebody who's probably going to get a look, uh, a, a, you know, a shot in the NFL and Tyrese Chambers. Um, they had gone away a little bit from Lexington Joseph as their top running back early in the year. It looked like E.J. Wilson was kind of emerging. Uh, Joseph, who had been an all-conference USA uh, special teams player uh, in the past, seems to have kind of you know climbed back into that, that spot there. Uh, seems like they are maybe finally settling on a quarterback in Grayson James. FIU, there's a little bit maybe of, of you know confidence restored after last week. I did – 
you know, you mentioned Thor already. Uh, he tweeted something in the preseason about, you know, your favorite win total bet. And I responded that FIU was uh, <laughs> at least the biggest edge. It wasn't necessarily my favorite. Um, I think we were, were certainly too high, but they play the weakest, you know, one of, if not the weakest schedule in college football that included uh, the FCS opponent, which they, they were able to beat. New Mexico, they were able to beat, and UConn here before Conference USA really, really picks up. Uh, it's an opportunity for them to win, and and I do think it's a winnable game. It is one we actually have FIU favored. It's one of our wrong team favored uh, selections this week, which have not been good this year. Keep that in mind. Um, but we we do have uh, do think that this is a, a winnable game for FIU. So uh, it's it's a uh, yeah, it, it might not be on the top of everybody's <laughs> list, but uh, I I will be checking this score. Uh, you know, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. There, there's money to be made on all the games, so uh, someone. Well, I'm, all, I'm interested also in uh, you know first year head coaches, and, and sure. this is an opportunity to see uh, similar to last week's game against New Mexico for FIU. Um, how much can a first year head coach taking over one of the worst. And these were two of the worst uh, programs and, and New Mexico state definitely in that conversation. How much is just a, a different voice, a different guy um, calling the shots, a new staff, you know, how much is just starting over? What does that do to a program that has kind of hit rock bottom? Um, and is there an opportunity, you know, to, to see a little bit of just immediate improvement? But then also, you know, these are two pretty proven. I mean, Mike McIntyre was Pac-12 coach of the year. Jim Mora was a NFL head coach yeah. in multiple franchises. Uh, so these guys know what they're doing. And, and it's kind of interesting to see, you know, what can some proven head coaches do with, uh, two of the worst rosters in college football. And so far, I mean, they both surpassed their win totals from last season and have an opportunity uh, to meet or exceed expectations, uh, not yet to the midway point of this year. So I, I think both are, are pretty uh, pretty nice stories. So whoever wins this game is, is you know, got a chance to, to make things interesting uh, down the stretch. Yeah, it's going to be uh... – one that at least uh, we'll be checking the score on. So I don't know uh, if a lot of people are, but of course, like I said before, you know, there's money to be made on every game. But that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Good luck in your week six bets. Remember, you can find us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Trish T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. And good luck, and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.